we shall go to the book of First Peter chapter five. Peter o ebaru esoka sulaya kutano. We shall read verse five and six of First Peter chapter five. Sumoni nolo kutano nolo mukago ebaru ya Peter esoka sulaya kutano. And we shall have a word of prayer before we read. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to bow before thy feet. There was a time that uh, in one of the, the, the first meeting that was held by the Gentiles under the New Testament in the house of Cornelius. And Cornelius speak these words. He told Peter that we are all seated in the sight of God to hear what God has given to you to speak to us. And Lord, when the word was being spoken, the Holy Ghost fell on those who, who heard the word. Lord, we pray that that shall repeat this morning. Let us have that same attitude that we are humbling ourselves before thee that you, and opening our hearts to what you have in store for us this morning. We pray for your grace and goodness. We pray that you forgive us of our faults and failures that the Holy Spirit will have right of way as we commit ourselves to thee for the service in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Amen. Let's be seated. And I'm going to, it, it was difficult to get a, a proper title for my message. But I'll simply call it Humble Thyself. That's our topic this morning. Now, um, let me put it like this. These scriptures that we have read, uh, many times, people take them in a kind of shallow manner. And uh, they, they think of there be somebody coming from the world Maybe something in his life has made him his, to be to be high-minded. Maybe he has a, a great education above the ordinary people. Or he has a lot of money. Or maybe he's a, 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 a great government official. Some characteristic of this world 
that makes him high-minded. So when he comes and becomes a Christian like us, they take it that these scriptures are talking to such a person and to tell him to humble himself. That may be true. But it, may, it is much deeper than that. <coughs> and I want us to see what we can, what, what the Lord would, would have us to understand these scriptures to mean. Because I believe it's a great lesson. Now, humility by itself is a very admirable character. Somebody who is humble and everybody can see they are humble. They usually have a lot of respect among the people. Because humility itself is a great character of God. Jesus was humble. Uh, he said learn of me for I'm humble. I'm lowly minded. Learn of me. In other words, be like that. And you shall find rest in your souls. Now, and uh, we have, there are many scriptures that, that they describe the, 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 the the advantages or the benefits of acquiring that character so many so many I won't go into that because I think these are concepts that, may, that should be obvious to everybody but I want to draw your attention to this, to this fact that the Bible is telling us to humble ourselves. Now, if you are going to humble yourself, it means that you have to be in an elevated position. So that you can voluntarily come down. See? Now, it, it does not mean that if, it, if the meaning was just that, if the meaning was that it is talking to people who are coming to Christianity, from a high position that the world has given them, then those instructions would not be relevant to many of us. Just like the Bible says, those who come to the kingdom of God, there are not many rich, not many people who have high positions in life. Most of us are just ordinary people, poor, not having much to make us proud or to make us high-minded. So, these scriptures, they would not be relevant to us or these instructions because we are already humble anyway. <laughs> 
but it is deeper than that. They, they are relevant to all of us. Right? And I'll show you how we come from an elevated position. A place that is high up there. And I want to remind you of the words of Jesus telling us, his disciples, to, to, to do what? To emulate him. To learn from him. Jesus, when Jesus was born in this world, he didn't have much in this world. Is that right? If it comes to physical things, he was born very poor. He, he had a job as a carpenter. Not much learned. See? But the way he humbled himself because his, his humility was something that he made himself. He humbled himself. Now, maybe let me go straight to it. If you read in the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, Philippians 2 verse 5, to nine. Yeah. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, but took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, this is the way he made himself. He lowered himself from the position of God. And his, his voluntary humility made him, it's, it's the one that made him human. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also has, might, has highly elevated him, exalted him, and given him a name above, which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of all things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, let him read in the Luganda, then we'll, we'll dissect it. Okubera 
bulivivi ifukamidirenga erinyalya Yesu eri ebyo muguru nebyo kunsi nebya wansi wensi era bulirulimi lwatulenga Yesu Kristu ye mukama wafe katonda kitafe awewe kitibwa Now in the scriptures Uh, in my opinion and if my memory serves me right i've read this also from somebody i don't know that it was brother branham or somebody one of the great men of god this is one of the deepest portions of scripture right are we together This is not a light thing. It has a very deep understanding. Now, Jesus, when he was on earth, he was in his mind. He was God. Right? He understood that he was God. He was equal to God. Can you imagine that? That as a human being, all aspects a human being, born of a woman, see? with weaknesses like human beings he needs to pray pleading prayer all night prayer to, to god so that he can get strength he knew that the works that he is doing healing the sick raising the dead and all that he says i cannot do that myself i can do nothing he knew that the one who is doing them was the god living in him yet he says he thought it not robbery to be equal equal with that God that he is praying to. He is equal. So as he is walking, now here on the earth, you usually get human beings, eh? and we have seen them. They say, I'm Jehovah God. I'm the one who created heavens and earth. Right? And they think They actually believe that. We see them drawing this or rather getting these pictures. Eh? This picture of the of the Lord Jesus surrounded by the seven messengers. And he puts he puts his picture in the middle claiming to be god many times you find that that's a perversion of the enemy you have seen them haven't you yeah, they are all over we have one in malawi who is famous <laughs> i believe i believe he has ministered here or you have seen them in conventions i don't know He has been here. Yeah. Uh, we have some in Kenya. They are all over. 
Now, and let me say this, I know this is being recorded, but I'll say it. Because by profession, I'm a doctor. And I know that most of these people have a mental problem. What they need is not, not, not Bible discussions trying to convince them. They, they, need, they need strong injections and tablets to get their minds back to normal. See? Oh, yeah. And, and then people wrestle with them, wrestle yeah, with them. Wrestle. When actually you are doing the wrong thing, you are wasting your time. This guy needs, he needs to be taken to hospital. That's right. I'm, and I'm not saying that to make fun or to, to insult people. But I know there must be medical personnel here. If you ever work in a mental hospital, a lot of those patients there, they are either a special messenger from God or some of them claim to be God himself. It's a sign of madness. See? It's a perversion of the devil to what I'm talking about. When Jesus yes, thought that he was equal with God, that was the truth. And he was walking around knowing that he is God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And it was the truth. Now the strange thing is the Bible is telling us here let this mind that was in Christ be in you. See? Equal with God. But the Bible says that although he knows he is equal with God, but he, he voluntarily humbled himself. And he humbled himself so much that actually when you look at him, you'll see he is human. And he was functioning as a man. Although he is God. See? But subjecting himself to the forces of the world was voluntary. For example, although I, I wanted to get to that place a bit later, when it came time for him to die, we don't see him mourning and, and expressing weaknesses 
at, attracting self-pity so that you pity him. Uh, he said, Yagamba, I'm the one giving down my life. Nobody takes my life from me. We don't see him screaming for mercy from anybody. When he came before Pontius Pilate and he was telling him, why don't you talk to me? Because Pilate would ask him questions. These, these people are accusing you of this and that. What do you have to say for yourself? He just keeps quiet. Ignoring him. Until Pilate asks him. Hey. Man. What's wrong with you? Why are you being arrogant? Before me, don't you know I have power to release you or to, to, or to put you to death? Jesus looked at him and told him, You have no power. See? He knew that he was above every man. But and when he subjected himself to the powers and the forces of this world, it was entirely voluntary. But he knew he was up there. He knew he was equal with God. So, though he understood his position up there, but Subjecting himself to the forces of this world, it was entirely voluntary. See? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, how did he know that he was up there? What informed him? What was the basis? Of him knowing that he is God. And he was not mad like the guys we see doing that. See? Jesus did not need an injection. To make him realize he is human. He was speaking the truth. See? But how did he know that? Let me tell you. It was not, listen. It was not on the basis of the virgin birth. See? What made him have that mind? that he was equal with God oh, I, had, I wish I had the power this morning and the ability to put this in every heart that is here what made him have that mind is because he believed what the Bible said he was. He internalized 
what the Bible said he was. He was basing his opinion of himself on the scripture. The same scriptures we have. That's what he relied on. He was a believer. Now, give me 6308.25e, paragraph 64 and 65. Right. This message called perfect faith. He has said, he had faith with his power. How did he? He said, I can do nothing in myself. You see, he knew he was just like us. As far as ability is concerned. As far as ability as a human being is concerned. He was just like us. See? Why? He relied upon what he was. He relied upon, uh, sorry, he relied in knowing that he was the one. And that he had faith in God who made him the one. See? He was God, the one. And there was in him that's the word that gave him faith because he understood his position. He knew what the scripture was because the scripture had said he was this. And here, every scripture tied to, to prove that, that he was exactly what the scripture said he would be. He knew what he was. Therefore, he relied upon what God made him. And if he did that, then can't we rely upon what God made us as believers. These signs shall follow them that believe. He had faith in what he was. And if you are a believer, you have faith in what you are. A believer. You have faith in what you are as a believer. And if you have got faith in God, the Bible says over here that if our hearts condemn us not, don't condemn us, then we have faith. See, we have, we are, we are, yeah. If our hearts condemn us, then we can't have. If our hearts condemn us, then we can't have faith. But if our hearts don't condemn us, then we have faith. We have confidence towards God. That's what I'm saying. That he, the same way that he relied on what the scriptures made him. So if we have faith in what the scriptures have made us, See? 
Now, and the scriptures have not made us what many times we think we are. See? Many times you will find that uh, we have a mentality that we are nothing. We have no rights. We cannot do anything. Even when we go to pray, we are just pleading as if we have no rights. There's a spirit of the devil working in our hearts trying to show us that we have no right to go and pray. When we go to ask something from God, there's there's the devil's voice inside us pushing us away as if we have no right. Not realizing that Jesus died so that we can have it. That whatever we have need of, God wanted us to have it so much. See? Like if you are looking for the Holy Ghost, The prophet told us if you have a great desire to have the Holy Ghost, if you compare your desire for the Holy Ghost and God's desire for you to have the Holy Ghost, if you compare those two desires, if you compare those two desperations, there is absolutely no comparison. Your desire is negligible. Because the prophet said that God's desire for us to have the Holy Ghost is like if you have a two feet, a a pipe of two feet uh, length and then you put all the oceans of the world you compress them into that pipe that's the pressure with which the Holy Ghost is trying to get into our hearts see that's right it is so much greater now, so when we approach God, not understanding who we are, see? or rather, let me put it like this. If we understood who we are, and we take the scripture the scripture terms of it into our hearts. No, the prophet taught us that we are two, we have two thinking faculties. One of them is this mind, this brain that we are having. So that when we when we are 
informed of what we are, we believe it, we even shout about it, and say amen to it, but that is just here. But there is another thinking faculty in our souls that is in our hearts. Many times, what you have in your mind is in conflict with what is here. This guy here, this mind here in the heart, God has to open their understanding. Here, you get it by your <coughs> by what comes into your ears. And then you process it. You, you compare with what you already know. You compare it with what the way you, you reason. And all that. Many considerations. So you accept it as the truth. But here, it's only God who can, who, you can open it so that you understand it. Now, listen. You can try to convince this guy but he's just looking at you. Doubting. Are you, are you sure is the truth? Is there no other way of looking at it? Sometimes when you cannot when you cannot argue with him, sometimes he, sometimes he says, okay, you go away. I'll, I'll, I'll hear you another day. Let's leave that argument. And he stays put. Don't convince him. But if you ever manage to convince him and he accepts it, then that becomes your character. But you can you can, you can have information here. We have seen people even preaching it. But it's not in their hearts. Otherwise, how do you expect, how do you, how do you explain People who preach against lies and they are even anointed about it but they are liars adulterers they, they disobey the very gospel they preach it's all here but there is no revelation here. Because only God can open here. And a lot of things that we claim, a lot of things that we hear in the church, oh, you are this, oh, you are that. You say, oh, amen, hallelujah. But it's all here. 
But once it comes here, now that becomes your character. Now what I'm trying to say is this. Jesus, he understood what the scriptures said he was. And it was here. He actually believed it. Now, you may ask me, that, that you are, how, how, what, when do you believe it here? How do you react? Now, the, the, what I'm saying is, the shouting doesn't mean you've got it. Let me tell you how, how you look like when you have understood. I often like using the reaction of Jehu as an example. Are you familiar with the story of Jehu? Now, Jehu, Jehu was just a general in the army. He was a captain. And one day, uh, Elijah the prophet, there was a word that was spoken to Elijah the prophet by God. Years before. And he had told him. You anoint Jehu. To be king in Israel. Right. So after many years. This word came to pass. Yeah it might have been about. I, at least I know it was over 10 years. Because on the same calling, Elijah was given three things to do. Anoint Elisha as a prophet. Anoint Hazael, a guy called Azhazel, to be a king in the neighboring country, Syria. And the third commission was anoint Jehu to be king in Israel. Now, that, all those things didn't happen in the time of Elijah. Elijah just anointed Elisha as a prophet. And as we are going to see a bit later, now, are you people with me? I want you to follow track on the thing. When Elisha was called, the prophet tells us, I don't know whether I'll get to that portion in this meeting, but the Bible tells us, or rather the prophet told us, but it took 10 years, Elisha being with Elijah, they took 10 years together, then Elijah was, Elijah was taken off the scene. And then Elijah, Elisha continued as a prophet for some years. So, after continuing for some years, that's when he anointed Jehu to be, to be a king in Israel. And the way he did it, he didn't do it himself. He sent a young man, a young prophet, to go and do it. 
Are we together? So when, he went, when this young prophet came, he found Jehu with other, other captains. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know whether they were relaxing or what. But he told him, I have a message for you, captain. And then Jehu said, which one of us? Say you, you, I want you. I want to talk to you privately. So they went into an inner chamber. And the young prophet, he had been instructed by Elijah, Elisha, that anoint him king, prophesy over him. When you are done, you open the door and Run. Don't talk to anybody. So he went inside and made Jehu. When Jehu was seated, he took out the horn of oil and anointed him. Thus says the Lord, you have been anointed king. From just a captain, you have been anointed king over Israel. And you shall avenge the blood of, of uh, Naboth. You will finish all the house of Ahab. He prophesied and prophesied and prophesied. When he was done, put back the horn of oil and ran. So Jehu came from there. The Listen. The word of the Lord had told him you are no longer a captain. You are now a king. So when he came the other captains asked him well this mad guy what did he tell you? And he tried to hide. Said, ah, you know that guy. You know how he talks. He said, no, tell us. Because those people believed God. So he opened up and told them. He said, he told me that I have been anointed king. I'm the king of Israel. When they heard that, all fear left them. They took trumpets and started blowing. Jehu is king. And they listen. They gathered a band of men and straight away they went to attack the palace. Just a band of men. A group of just a few soldiers, they knew that God had opened the way. They knew that God was behind him, but they knew there was no opposition. All the forces of hell, they could not defeat them. So they went to the palace. And when Ahab was there with, with another king, the king of Judah had come to visit him. So he, asked, he looked, the watchman told them, there is a band of men coming on horses. So they sent a messenger. Are you, he said, 
are you coming in peace? Jehu told him, no fear. Told him, what do you have to do with peace? Turn around behind me. So the watchman said, the messenger went to them, but he didn't come again. The king said, send another one. Send another one. Is it peace? Jehu told him, hey, what do you have to do with peace? There is no secret. We are coming for war. <laughs> so the watchman said, the messenger went in and he didn't come again. And this one looks like Jehu. The way he's driving is like Jehu. So the king himself came out, came to confront Jehu. Is it peace, Jehu? Now, Jehu didn't answer. He told him, how can you have peace when you are full of idolatry? And he then the king started running away. Jehu removed the bow and he shot the king. The king of Judah tried to run away. Jehu said, follow him. They killed him. In other words, no fear. <laughs> Remember, this was the palace. The palace is usually heavily guarded. But they went without fear. Oh, brother, if the church understood who they were, what is the devil? What is the devil? See? The devil is nothing. All the powers of heaven are behind us. When God gives a promise, then there is no war. There is no opposition. Satan is defeated. All powers of hell are nothing. Amen. That's right. Let me tell you, brethren, that is when we understood who we are. It is not just jumping about it. It is not just rejoicing about it. And then we go back to our holes. Walking defeated. When you understood who we are, now, Jehu, when he came into the, into the palace now, he has killed the kings. See? All enemies were trembling. All soldiers, they were trembling. And let me tell you, let me tell you the truth. The truth is all the powers of hell they are trembling at us. That is the truth. See? When the weakest of Christians by the weakest 
I don't mean the smallest in size. That is the believer that is most carnal. The one who always has weaknesses in the church. When that kind of guy comes to the altar, says, I want to repent, hell trembles. Hell trembles. There is disturbance in hell. See? No. That is what the word says about us. <laughs> Do you get me? I'm telling you what the word says about us. See? The question is, do we believe it in our hearts? Or is it just here? See? Now let me, let me just um, the, let me just tell you uh, that let, let's look at the, the Bible terms of it. Of who we are. See? First of all, Maybe I'll just, okay, let me just read it. Because this is important. St. John chapter 1 and verse 18. Verse 18. These people who receive Christ, who are they? How did they come into this world? Says, uh, no, not 18, it's um, is verse 12, 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Have we believed on his name? How many people have believed on his name? Let me show you how you came into this world. Which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we were anybody who receives Jesus Christ believed on his name genuinely trusts in him. The Bible is telling us we were born in this world not of the will of flesh and blood but the will of God. Revelations 13 verse 8 that our names were written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. 
Those are the Bible terms of it. See? Now, 54.12.19e Paragraph 31 Aren't you glad you are in that church tonight? Not, not this roof, not this church roof I mean this church There is only one church And you don't join it You can't take a paper in it You are just born in it And you are born in that church And it's by grace you couldn't hunger to come to it. You have no desire for it. You would hate the very thoughts of it. Unless God himself has ordained that you should be in that church. And if you'll ever be in that church. God knew it before the foundation of the world. That you'd be in that church. He ordained it. And predestinated you to be in that church. Isn't that marvelous? Now the question is, do you actually believe it? Remember, my, my point is, Jesus, when he was walking on this earth, it was in him that what the scripture said he was, he actually was. Can't we walk around Having that inside us. Not just here. But here. That we are here. I was not born 20 years ago. I was not born 60 years ago. I am known by God. I was known by God. Before the foundation of the world. God. He had that list that I'm there and he will send me into the earth to play my part when time comes for me to play my part. I could not have been born a hundred years ago because that was not my assignment. But my assignment that I was given before the foundation of the world is when I would be born in 1990. So in 1990, when it came time for me to, for me to come and function in this world to do the work of God, then God brought me into this world. So I am here as a part of God. God knew me before the foundation of the world. And I'm, and I'm here by the will of God. And I've been sent by God. I'm an ambassador for heaven. So when I walk on this world, I walk with that mentality. See? I actually know it. And I approach life that way. 
These are not things that I hear in church. But these are the things that I believe. Whether I am asleep, whether I am awake, whether I am doing business, when I deal with people, this is who I am. That is how Jesus walked on this earth. I was, as he was doing his carpentry and nailing and things. I'm a son of God. I'm actually, I am actually God. See? When he's dealing with the Jews, hey, you people, who are you? Why are you not accepting me? And you say you are children of Abraham. Say, where? You are children of Abraham. Told him, no, you are not. Because when Abraham saw me, he rejoiced. But you, when you see me, you take stones to stone me. Say, you. You are just born the other day. No. Before Abraham was, I am. He actually believed it. Let me tell you, if we believed it, we would be talking like that even at work. Even at home. No, don't just see me. Me, I was not just born the other day. Me, I'm a child of God. I'm a servant of God. I come to do the will of God. God has a work for me. And I'm here to do it. An ambassador for heaven. <laughs> that is who I am. God has a work for you. Sister, give me 6308 25E, paragraph 133. I didn't feel that I was going to preach. I just thought I would highlight those things. Uh, no. Uh, for, no, it's 6808 25E. That's perfect faith. Message of perfect faith. Yes, paragraph 133. Yeah. He caught me when I was nothing. I'm still nothing, but I'm in his hand. He caught me. He loved me when I was unlovable. He loved you when you were unlovable. But he changed you. Just like the colored sister said, in her testimony she said, I'm not what I ought to be, and I'm not what I want to be, but then I'm not what I, what I used to be. She knows she had come from somewhere, something happened. And that's the way it is. If God, when I was an alien from him, so loved me, till he stooped down to get me and pick me up, that gives me confidence that he wants to use me. 
He's got a purpose in doing it. He's seen something in me. He's seen something in you. He had a reason to save you. Look at the people that he unsaved today. Look at the millions he could have took besides you. But he took you. Amen. Amen. No one can take your place. You are in God's economy. No one can do it. When you actually believe that, you have taken your place in God's economy. <laughs> Who I'm telling you? This is so great. If you know that this church it cannot be complete without you. The bride of Christ cannot be complete without you. You have a place in it. You have a place in this last day's work. You are in God's economy. How can you believe that? And then you miss church. That when church is going on, how can you expect other people to be there? No, that church is not complete. I have a place there. That team, it cannot be complete without me. I used to play football when I was in high school. And I didn't believe I was a footballer, really. I didn't have much confidence in myself. But the captain of the team, he, he, he had seen something in me. Because when I kicked the ball, it was with such force and with such accuracy. <laughs> Although I didn't have a big muscular foot, leg. But I came to learn my talent later. That I used to have a very powerful kick. And the, the team could not play without me. And we won trophies. <laughs> we made history. Because for a long time, that school, the, 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 the team from the school, they used to be like the whipping boys of that district. But in our time, we shocked the district. district. I didn't have much faith in myself as a player. But the captain had seen something in me. And it strengthened the team. Now, God knows you may despise yourself like I was doing when I was in the team. But God seen something in you. He knows that this church would be weak without you. His kingdom will not be complete without you. So when you are, you are playing 
with the things of God and not taking your work seriously. You come to work. You come to, to yeah, it is work. You come to church when your heart is not ready for service. You should play a part in the service. But you come to church, your heart is not ready. The church is weak because of such team members. See? You should come knowing who you are. You have a powerful kick. You have a talent. You have a gift that God has put in you. And by saving you, it's not really you. But it is that gift that is in you. That is what God wants. It is that ability that is in you. That is what God wants to anoint. So that this church can, can, can do wonders. This part of the bride, it can shake this city. See? That's who you are. See? But as long as that has not opened up here. Now, I'm trying to say that Jesus, understanding who he was, and with no argument from here, he conducted himself that way. He knew that he was in an elevated position. He was God. Now, if every one of us understood his position, very important position, because you may be a finger, you may be an eye, you may be a leg, and the world, the, 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 the church Cannot, the God's economy cannot function without you. When you think it that way, it is not robbery. You are not boasting. You actually understand stand it properly. <laughs> now, what I'm trying to say is this. That from that position, then you humble yourself. It is only from the, it is only from that position that this message can be relevant to you of humbling yourself. If you have not yet come into that position where you realize who you are, your importance in the kingdom of God and the position that God has put in your hand and you are functioning that way. See? Then you can humble yourself. Now, voluntarily, make yourself of no reputation. Now listen. 
The devil, Sitani, he has a perverted, he has a perverted message. Sitani, I know, Ubaka, I can know. He has a perverted concept away, away from there. You find people in church, see, they have a slave-like mentality. They have, they are, in their minds, they are depressed. They, they, are, they actually think they are nothing. They actually believe it. That even in the kingdom of God, they have no, they have of no importance. Maybe what has made them that way is maybe their status in the affairs of this life. You see, as if other people are doing well in life, they, have, they seem to have a lot of money, but you have nothing yourself. So you feel backward. You, see, you feel small among the people. Now, that's the devil. That's the perversion of the devil. Because people, when they feel that way, they think that is being uh, a good Christian. They think that that is the humility the Bible talks about. No. That's of the devil. They get depressed. They feel as if they are nobody. And that feeling, it is based on that you have no money, you are not educated, because the result of that is that people even become jealous. See? They are plagued with jealousy. Looking at the people who, are, who think they are better than them. And they even feel, they feel as if they are Vulnerable. They feel as if they are under the masses of the forces of this world. And they are full of worry. See? That's the perverted part of it. And it's of the devil. Let me tell you. If you feel that way, are you with me? What you need is the Holy Ghost. Let me prove to you. 59, 12, 17, paragraph 95. You take a person that's lived a good life, but they are always defeated. Oh, I tell you, a good person. I sure love the Lord, Brother Branham. Always defeated. They never get a prayer answered. 
You feel that little woman with the Holy Ghost one time. What, watch what takes place. When she goes before God, she is not defeated. She comes boldly to the throne of God, believing she has a right. I know a dembe. Because she's a daughter of God by her birth. We'll come back to this later. But I want to the next one. Take that little man so cowardly the boss kick him all over the place. Say, wait a minute here now. Something has changed. He's got I, that one got lost. The devil is trying to, to take it away. No, it was paragraph one, um, 95. Do you get the idea? You know There's a little fellow. He works in the office. And the boss is kicking him all over. He is defeated. He's like a slave in the place. He cannot stand to the boss. When you fill him with the Holy Ghost, he'll tell the boss, hey, wait a minute now. He does not feel vulnerable to the boss. Are you getting me? It is not arrogance. But just like Jesus, when he was before Pilate, Pilate thought that he could use his power as a king to make him scared. No, not Jesus. Do you know I have a power? You have no power. What you need is the Holy Ghost. That's not humility that I'm talking about. That is depression. That's the perverted aspect of it. And that is why you find that when that kind of a person now, this is deep. I've seen such people. Sometimes God gives them a gift. No, I'm not saying it correctly. God does not give gifts. The gift is already in people. He just takes the gift where the gift was being, being drowned with the sin. See? The alcohol, adultery, and the pleasures of this life, they are covering that gift. God knows the gift is there. So he takes this person away from that. Puts him here. Puts her here. 
so that the word of God can wash the alcohol and the immorality and the pride and the things of this world away from that gift so that he can function. And sometimes when God uncovers that gift and ignites it and it starts working then this person gets elevated in pride because he has no way of humbling himself. I'm saying I got it now. Uh, just go on. Okay. Here. Take that little man. So cowardly. The boss kick him all over the place. When he, this when he receives the Holy Ghost. Hey. Wait a minute now. Something has changed. He has got the Holy Ghost. It gives you power. He gives you power. Your life is full of power. You are not just, you know, like a slave walking around like a slave. See? But the Holy Ghost has given you power. And I'm saying that it is that kind of a person who understands who they are. They understand they can go to the throne of God. They have a right. And they are walking in this earth knowing who they are. They are the ones that are now being given this message. Humble yourself. The way Jesus understood who he was but humbled himself. And voluntarily subjected himself to mankind. So that in whatever situation life puts you, you are not there feeling miserable, feeling as if the things of this world have power over you. The prophet often, he gave an example of the American slave. There was one when they were used to have slavery. I, I think they still do. <laughs> but it's just a modern way of slavery. That's right. But now, when they used to have them actually, and they used to just buy them like the way you buy animals. The way you go to the Western Uganda. What Brother Gideon tells me about the cattle corridor. And you can buy cattle there. They used to go to the farms. And buy slaves. From one farm. Goes and sells them to another farm. And make a profit. <laughs> 
So they used to go. Then one, one slave buyer. He went to a certain farm. And he looked at the slaves. And then he looked at young, one young man there. Because the slaves were, they had been taken away from Africa. And they would, they would know they would never see their their mother, their families again. They in a foreign land. And they would be there just like animals. And they are condemned to that life until they die. So they were sad. And they used to be depressed. And they had to be whipped to make them work. Just like they used to whip donkeys. To make them work. But there was a young man there. See? He they never had to whip him. When there is a job to be done. He calls the other. Hey guys come. Hey left. left. Hey don't be lazy. So he used to be just whatever he's doing. He is up about it. So this guy said, I want to buy that slave. He said, no, 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 no. That one is not for sale. See? Then they asked him, why is he like that? He doesn't have a depressed face. doesn't have to be forced to work like the rest. Is he their boss? Is he their supervisor? He said, no. He's just a slave like the others. He has no rank. No. Do you feed him different? He said, no. He eats with the others. He is not their supervisor. He is not nothing. Then why is he so different? And he said, I used to wonder also. But then I came to find out that in the, he, that in the place where he came from in Africa, his father was a key, is a key. So though he is in a foreign land, but he conducts himself like the son of a king. Not depressed. So in this life, when you know where you come from, if life has put you in a position where you have no money, you are a happy poor man for the Lord. See? Not walking around depressed. As, he, as if you are depending on the economy of the country. As, as if you are depending on this boss. And where you are employed, maybe you are begging. Ah, no begging. See? My salary comes from heaven. Amen. Amen. If I'm sick, this sickness has no power over me. I'm not under the forces of this world. My strength comes from God. 
See? If I'm, if I'm put in a situation when my hus- where my husband is molesting me, I'm not begging mercy from my husband. My favor comes from God. If he's molesting me, I'll take it with grace. I know God has put me there for a purpose and I'm going to behave myself as a child of God and I'm ambassador for heaven and I'll serve God right in this condition. Not walking around depressed. If I'll subject myself to anybody, it will be voluntary. Me, myself, deciding See? that I'll subject myself to that. But nobody is forcing me. I have no boss. Jesus is my boss. Even sickness has no power over me. Even death has no power over me. That's right. That is why when Jesus faced death, he said, death has no power over me. I am the one laying down my life and I'll take it up again. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. And the prophet said in the same way anybody who is filled with the Holy Ghost you have power to lay down your life and to take it up again. See? Blessed be the name of the Lord. See? You know the Bible says, I'm what the prophet said, if you have a good attitude towards the situations on this life, and you face them as an overcomer, you even defeat them. If you are sick, see? And you face that sickness with courage. That's the way to overcome it. But not feeling, oh, what shall I do now? Oh, this, the doctors say that this disease has no cure. You mean you are subjecting yourself to doctors. Doctors. Let me tell you. Doctors look as if they are very educated and they are taken as, as little gods. I'm one of them, so I know. 
I'm not belittling anybody. But I'm telling you, doctors are the more, are the, as far as diseases are concerned, they are the most ignorant people in this world. They do very little. I was in a meeting where we had the top doctors in Africa. And don't belittle them. Don't belittle them. Our African doctors, they are some of the best in the world. I'm telling you, it is only that in the Western world, the fame is politicized. Do you know that HIV was discovered by an African? When the disease was strange disease was killing people. It was, it was described in Africa. See? But the western world covered it. You will never hear of his name. 2004. There is a vaccine for malaria. It was discovered in Tarisa. It was discovered in Dar es Salaam by a, a Tanzanian scientist. The whole thing was covered. And they wait until it comes from Switzerland. I don't know where. And so many people have died. See? I was in a scientific conference where the top scientists of the world were there. And some people are asking, why? This, this vaccine from Dar es Salaam, it seems to work. Why was it not developed? They said, it's political. Political, I'm telling you, the scientific world will have to answer a lot of questions on the day of judgment. Because so many people have died between 2004 and until recently. This, it, I don't know whether it's here in, in Uganda, but they are vaccinating now in Kenya. See? Can you imagine? A span of almost 20 years. Just because of politics. And it's something that will save the lives of people. See? Doctors are very ignorant people. I was in a scientific conference. Where the top doctors in Africa were there. And one of them described and said, we were dealing with the issue of uh, hospice care. 
Now, hospice is a place where they take people with diseases that have no cure. And one of them described and said, when you look at medical science, you will find that we are very helpless. Because what can we cure? Arthritis, Arthritis, no cure. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know what, how we can cure it. There's no cure for it. Diabetes. No cure. Hypertension. Hypertension, pressure. No cure. What, what can we cure? Just infections. And when somebody has an injury, you suture. Or you do an operation something injury inside and you suture then they get better but literally all other diseases no cure so all these big hospitals and things lot of sophisticated things like that we cannot take away diseases so how do you put yourself under such let me tell you but we have a great physician that's right and by his stripes, we are healed. See? We don't have to know where hypertension comes from. But we know that when he was given a stripe, hypertension was cured. Don't look at the scientific world. It has nothing. We have a higher power. Our power comes from heaven. So, we should not feel vulnerable. We, shall, we should not feel as if we are under the powers of this world. Our help comes from above. See? That's what I'm trying to say. And once you have the Holy Ghost, then you understand that. See? If you have no child, any situation in this life that depresses you, childlessness, See? and when we go to the throne of God, now listen, when we go to the throne of God, we should not go, we should not approach God as if we, have, we are vulnerable to the things of this world. We should go boldly telling God that Lord, this is your promise to me. You should go with the understanding that you have a right. 
You go with confidence. No genda no buvumu. See, when you approach God, as if the powers of this world have the power over you, God sees that you have no faith. And when you go before him, just crying and weeping as if you have no hope, as if you are under the, the, under the powers of the science and the powers of this world. Do you know that that is why Jesus walked on the water? He understood that gravity has no power over him. Not the powers of this world. But his power comes from God. God is the God of gravity. God is the God of childlessness. God is the God of poverty. If you have a need, God has it in his hand. And it is yours. Now when you approach him, you don't approach him with that mentality of being a slave, of being vulnerable. You go boldly. See? Understanding who you are. See? That's the thing. When Jesus was saying that the son of man has no home. Foxes are better. They have holes. Birds of the air, they have nests. He was not saying that with a, with a, with a tone of poverty and helplessness. No. <laughs> that was his choice. He was saying that I am poor. I have Foxes are better than me. Do you want to follow me? Come, let's be like this. In other words, the situations of this life, God has put you in it, knowing that that is the best for you, for his purpose. And if it is depressing you, if it is oppressing to you, go to him and talk about it. All I'm saying is this, is that if you have the right attitude, you have a better chance before God. The prophet was saying that if you are sick, actually he was quoting a doctor. He was telling him, ah, let me not read it, I have it there. If you want it, I can give it to you. But he said that if, if somebody is diagnosed with a fatal disease, there are two approaches. See? There is one time, I, hold, I always remember, I was still a medical student and I found an old man eh? they had diagnosed liver cancer but they were afraid of telling him so he called me he told me young man tell me the truth these people are hiding it from me 
I told him, okay, I'll tell you. Actually, they are, they are not telling you the truth. You have liver cancer. And it is not curable. He told me, thank you very much. He died after a few days. So I don't believe in hiding. And even in my practice, I don't hide people. Why hide? If a person is dying, tell them. There's no need of hiding. Yeah. I don't I have never seen the sense of hiding. And actually, the truth is nobody knows the, tr the value of hiding because it's only that doctors and nurses, they are, they are, not, they are not bold enough to talk about the issues of life and death because their training is to cure and to help. So when they are helpless, they also don't know how to handle it. Now, this doctor was telling Brother Branham that if you, are, if you find a patient, tell him about his condition, like that old man, about his liver cancer. And he takes, a, he takes an attitude, oh, I'm going to die. Oh, this thing is terrible. Oh, poor me. Life is so cruel. They usually die within a short time. But if you tell somebody you have liver cancer and there is no cure, and then he says, oh, is that so? Ah, okay. Like death is part of life. Everybody will die. I thank God for a good life. Come, my children. Your daddy may not live for long. Thank you for being good children. And you, you are not very good, but right here from... They take a good attitude. Those kind of people, they live for long. Sometimes even the disease gets retarded. Because of the good attitude. Courageous. You don't feel vulnerable. So that's what I'm saying. In the situations of this life, that's how we ought to be. See? We are children of God. God is our protector. He watches over our lives. He knows all about us. Whatever has happened to us, let me tell you, there was a conversation in heaven. God allowed the devil to bring it to you so that he can see how you are going to handle it. Handle it the way God wants you to handle it. See? Blessed be the name of the Lord. See? Now, uh, now, my time is gone, but uh, let me finish it by saying this. When you are humble, the manifestations of humility 
is when you obey God with, with joy and do his will without complaining. It shows you have subjected yourself to the condition that God has seen it fit to put you in. And you serve him with all your heart. See? Now, there are many other examples that I would give. But let, let me just sum it up like this. Let me sum it up like this. See, please, I don't want you to miss this. Uh, I used to, when I was young, in the ministry, I used to ask people here, maybe I would better ask, now, how many people in this congregation have ever had the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Just show up your hand. I won't ask again. <laughs> but I just want to make a point. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Brother Gideon, you have a lot of spiritual capital here. You have something to work on. You have an army here. <laughs> Right? That's wonderful. Now, <coughs> you that have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you'll understand what I, what I mean. When it came on you, the aftermath of that, I'm, I'm comparing with what I experienced myself. And I believe that is the same thing you experienced. The Holy Ghost is upon you. It's all over you. See? It has empowered you. You are full of glory. In the heart, in the soul, even on the body, it has lifted you up there. You feel at peace with the world. You feel at peace with heaven. See? Now, and you know, you are very much aware that you are Connected with heaven powerfully. You are aware of it. It's not a theory. But you are powerfully aware of it. In that kind of a state. You may stay in that state for a, a day or two. Or a week or so. But when you are in that state, you absolutely have no enemy. If anybody does anything to you, oh, there is absolutely no heart. You feel you, feel you want to forget it as possible. Because it is interfering with this atmosphere. Is that right? 
at in that state, you cannot disobey God. You are so powerfully aware of his presence that there is no way you can do anything to hurt him. You can do anything to please him so that you can retain that nice heavenly atmosphere. That's right. And the things of this world, they appear all beggarly. They are nothing. See? When you see people and you consider, you know, the classes of this world. There are some who are rich. Rich and they go around with an air of, of the things that the classes, where the things of this world have put them. To you, it appears like madness. <laughs> Is that right? Oh yeah, because that time you are flying with angels and there is nothing of this world that matters. But let's, let's tell one another the truth. Did you live in that state forever? No. Stays maybe for a few days. And then you come down to earth again. And you start reasoning like a human being now. See? Now, do you know what God was doing? Please don't miss this. When God put you in that elevated place where you are flying with angels, literally, literally that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God was giving you a taste of what you would be like. Because Listen, I believe with all my heart that the individuals who will welcome back Jesus Christ, they will be in that state. <laughs> they will carry that state with them to church they go home with it. There is no argument. There is no opposition that will make them, that will, that will drive it away. Some enemy will spit in their face. They quickly forgive and forget. So that it does not interfere with that fellowship. Somebody will insult them. Uh, hey, just, just let it go. Just I don't want anything to interfere with this. What is it? That's what I'm saying. Voluntarily. 
voluntarily humbling yourself to the elements of this world to, to keep that fellowship with God. That's what I'm calling humility. The reason why he could not abide is because you could not humble yourself to the elements of this world. Something happens. Some shake at most some shaky forces of life come. They make you tremble. Instead of having faith in God, you start panicking. Thinking you are vulnerable to the things of this world and the powers of this world. And because of your fear, trembling, and a worry, the Holy Spirit doesn't like that. So he goes away. Some opposition comes upon you. People insult you, belittle you, despise you, and like a slave, you start fighting back. So you drive that heavenly atmosphere, it goes away. See? Now, what I'm calling humility is when you are able to subject yourself to the things of this world voluntarily so that you can have, you can maintain that fellowship, perfect fellowship with heaven. Voluntarily, voluntarily so that even if it's even if it's the if it's if it is forces of this world it looks it looks like a storm it looks like it will drown you but you maintain that god you, have, you said you will take care of me even if i die but i'll not fight I want your fellowship. Somebody calls you a fool. Yes. Calls you a devil. Say, oh Lord, help me. Help me. Let, let me not, let me not literate. You are my protector. I want fellowship with you. You humble yourself. Subject yourself to the things of this life. If death is coming, if poverty is coming, Lord, you are my protector. You feed the birds of the air, you'll feed me. If you see it fit that I die, let me die. That's why Brother Branham, when he faced that death, there was that killer bull. You remember? That killer bull. 
He said, Yagamba, if I'm dying, he looked for his gun. There's no gun. He had left it in the car. He said, Lord, let me die. Let me don't, not die like a coward. I want to face death as a son of God. And he said, that is when something came and took over. If we face any situation in this life, instead of screaming, he said, no, let me face it like a son of God. If my wife disrespects me, let me face it like a son of God. Let me not go about it like an African demanding. And I remember my tribe where men are men. The Holy Ghost will leave you. You humble yourself to that situation. Like voluntarily. So that you can retain that fellowship. See? See? Now, uh, just a few, just a few more minutes. I just wanted to read one quote there to prove to you. Because that is the core of my message. What of what humility is? It is subjecting yourself to the heavenly powers, making way for their benefit. So that they can help you. In that way, see, if you are going to make way for the heavenly powers to come and help you, whether it is in sickness, whether it is in trouble of this world, whether it is in opposition of this world, you may have to humble yourself above above the powers of this world. Are you getting me? See? And the ability to do that is what I'm calling humility, humbling ourselves. Now, it's the, the picture of it. See, I said, give me a, just a few minutes, then I'm going to close. We see a type of it uh, in the story that I, I described about Elisha and Elijah. When, when Elisha was being called, eh, there's how he did it. How Elijah did it. He was walking along the road with his cloak like this. And he found Elisha plowing with oxen. So as he was passing, he struck him with his cloak and took it again and continued walking. Then Elisha, his reaction was, his reaction was not, hey, what have you done to me, old man? Uh -uh. He didn't do that. He said, he understood. 
he understood that this cloak would be his. I think if my brother, can you take off your coat? I want to illustrate something. You wear mine. I'm sure when you look at him I'm bigger than him so he doesn't look very smart now sorry I have my What it means, eh? or what it meant to Elisha, is that that coat would be his. But he cannot take it to the tailor so that it's reduced. It is him who has to eat until he grows to fit that coat. See? Now, that cloak of Elijah, it represented the anointing that was on him. Now, Elisha, as a human being, as a man who has been called to be a prophet like Elijah, he had to grow spiritually in character until he is like Elijah. See? Now, I want, you to, I want to describe it before I read it. Now, Elijah, Elisha, had a problem with the temper. That level of temper, it could not fit that cloak. Because he would use that power to kill people. And you know, when he got the cloak, that's the first miracle he did with it. He killed 42 innocent children with that power. Is that true? Yeah. The prophet told us that that was not God. That was the power. Elisha had the power. It was in his hands now. See? I don't know, but I believe God made him, shaped him. Maybe he regretted what he did. I don't know. Because he did many more miracles after that. But by the time that he was taken from being a farmer, his character was just hopelessly unfit for that anointing. Now, my brothers and sisters, when God was giving us the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we cannot fit that cloak. That is why it was taken away again. 
Because our character cannot, it is like when we got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that was Elisha the farmer. See? God took 10 years to take to shape that man's character. He had to be with Elijah so that the character can be shaped. And even after, at the end of 10 years, according to the, to the opinion of Elijah, his character was not yet. Elijah was doubting. Because he asked Elijah asked him, what do you want from me before I'm taken away from you? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He looked at him said, ah, you have asked for a hard thing. See? Because Elijah knew somebody with a kind of spirit I have, he cannot have this character. And he said, well, it's up to God. If you see me being taken away, you can have it. But if you don't see me, you know you won't have it. God, by his grace, see, he gave him steel. That is why God by his grace he gave us the, the Holy Ghost. See? It is true. We have not been faithful. We have not been responsible. We have done things that grieved him away. And we are not in that state when he gave it to us. We are not wearing it. Sometimes we use our foolishness. Sometimes we, we demand for our rights like that unfairly. And that atmosphere is not with us. See? Maybe, maybe allow me. I have a lot of some quotations that I can. But do you want me to read it now or I read it later? Are you tired? Okay, let's read them. See, you know, I'm teaching. So I want you to make sure that these are not my thoughts. This is the message of the hour. Give me 480404303 Yeah, 39 and 40. Okay, fine. 
let's, let's read it. Now notice Elijah, after he threw his robe on him, uh, in other words, Elijah the prophet, who had the mantle of God on his shoulders, he came down and laid it across Elisha, the farmer, to see if it would fit him. It taken about 10 years to get altered to fit that mantle. You know, God usually puts us in the shop and trims us up. He didn't alter his robe to fit Elisha. He altered Elisha to fit the robe. That's what he does today. He alters us to fit the robe, not the robe to fit us. God cannot alter his word. Some people cannot tolerate the robe. They sometimes run away to, to churches that have robes to fit them. But no church will take you to heaven. God has only one robe. He changes characters of men to fit his robe. Sometimes we want to take the robe fit us. But we can't do that. You have got to be altered yourself to fit the robe. It's God's robe. And he made it perfect. And we've got to bring us to that realm to, fit the, to make the robe fit us. See? So, my brethren, my question is, remember the day you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How long will it take us to humble ourselves. Forget about the things of this world. Give ourselves over to God. Bearing the frustrations and things. Subject ourselves without complaining. If life has put us in a certain condition, we accept it. Is that right? Maybe it is God's whip for us to chasten us, chastise us, so that we are perfect. How long shall we complain about against God? See? Now, there are other quotations here that I have that show us that Elisha, I'll not read it, are you with me? Let me just make statements and then I close. The way, are you with me? The way Elisha dealt with Elijah was a type. Jesus was Elijah. 
The cloak on him was a spirit on him. The church is Elisha. At the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that was Jesus striking us with the robe that was on him. And asking us, taste, taste that robe so that you can wear it. Through time, he is streaming us, chopping our character so that we can fit that role. See? Now, when our character has grown enough to wear that robe and it is ours. Then that is the wedding garment with which he is coming to take his bride. Everyone who will be in the wedding garment a wedding supper will have to grow until their character is able to wear that robe. They wear it in any situation. Wear it in poverty. Wear it in lacking. They wear it in test when they are tested. They are still wearing it. Every situation they are wearing, they have the blessing of it. They have that atmosphere around them. And it is when, when God sees that you have grown enough to wear it, that is the people he is coming for. Because that is the waiting garment. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh. <laughs> There's another quotation here. Will you allow me to say it? I'm sorry I'm making promises without looking at it. Okay. Let's give me the last one, the very last one, so that I can, because I don't know when I'll going to, whether I'll pick this topic again. 640823M paragraph 192 <coughs> I'm doing this so that you can see I'm, tell, I'm telling you the message of the hour what the message says Now notice on this see Abraham saw, now as he dealt with Abraham, so has he with his seed. Now, one of these days, when I come back sometime, I want, um, I want, sometime, I want to take that little more closer and show you exactly the stations of Abraham's life. It's exactly with Luther, Wesley, Wesley and so on down here. Just exactly how he dealt with the churches, like he did with Abraham, how he appeared, and how that when he confirmed the, the covenant 
to him under the shed blood it was the Philadelphian age yes sir that was the blood age but but then watch the Pentecostal age after he came there he made the promise of El Shaddai nursed from me the question is, can you nurse? That was brought, brought before the Pentecostals. See? Can you nurse? But they, they didn't do it. They grabbed them a breast from the denomination where they come from. But the seed, the real seed, come on to nurse that breast. Let me dissect that a little bit as I finish. Abraham's life. Abraham. He was called Yaitibwa. under the R from the R of the Chaldeans. When he moved around Canaan as a stranger, striving with the Philistines and others and the kings there. And he was a stranger. And God gave him that land. He stayed there doing that kind of thing for 25 years. But at the age of 99, God came to him. Is that right? Now, and the prophet says eh, that that is like in th those stations in Abraham's life is the journey of the church. Now, let me, let me know, go deep in it. But let's focus on the church. It came out from Catholicism under Luther and took faith salvation by faith and they became justified. Then under the ministry of John Wesley the church was sanctified. They left off evil habits of the world. But at the, at the stage of Pentecost God dropped his power on the church. They received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, are you with me? The question was, when you look at the shadow, when you look at the shadow, Abraham's life that corresponds to Pentecost, God appeared to Abraham, Abraham and called himself El Shaddai, El Shaddai meaning the breasted God. When you come to the antitype, the church received the Holy Ghost. What was the Holy Ghost? It's God coming to you in power. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is giving us the opportunity to be able to approach God. Before you get the Holy Ghost, you have no power to pray. You have no power to faith. But now as the Holy, when you get the Holy Ghost, it gives you a ticket. 
to go to heaven and get the blessings from there. That's what the Pentecostals were given. But instead of doing that, they started looking at the denominations and copying the denominations. Instead of sucking the Holy Ghost, they get strength from the world and copying the world. Similarly, when we get the Holy Ghost, that opens up heaven. We get a ladder, like Jacob's ladder, to go to heaven and bring the blessings and come back again. But, Shall we do like the Pentecostals? The Pentecostals started copying the world. They didn't suck. But the bride of Christ, the true bride, is going to utilize it. They are going to go to heaven, come back again. They are going to fly like eagles, soaring the Pentecostal skies and bring the Bring God down. The church will be full of power. And then Jesus will come. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we humble ourselves? Can we understand who we are? And then humble ourselves to the things of this life and serve God in readiness for this final victory. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Let me stop there. God bless you so much.